Net. The Cubs host the Reds in the start of a key four-game series tonight with Marcus Stroman on the mound. Cubs trail the first-place Reds by four games. The Vikings with their first padded practice of training camp today. Yesterday, Daniil Hunter agreed to a one-year deal with the Vikes with $17 million guaranteed. With a trade deadline approaching tomorrow, the Angels made another deal last night, acquiring Randall Gritchick and C.J. Crone from the Rockies for two pitching prospects. I'm Doug Thompson. For the win from the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where every Monday get one of Jethro's world famous meal deals. Score! This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Station 106.3 KXNO as we take you until 1 o'clock. Scott Docterman coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour thereabouts. Look forward to doing that. Trent's plays of the day as well. Uh, let's talk some baseball, shall we? Matt Snyder trade deadline is tomorrow. CBSSports.com. Matt, I had it in my head. I thought today was trade deadline day for the last month. Didn't it used to be July 31st? Yeah. Yes, it always was for, for a long time. Um, there were, they've, they have, they can move it now. It's Manfred's discretion. Um, it's something like it could be as soon as July 30th. It could be as late as August 2nd. And it just seems like he tries to decide what will, you know, put the most spotlight on baseball. I, I think in the past few years when they've moved it, it's been to avoid the weekend Monday. I, I guess maybe he just wanted to get it further away from the weekend to make it on a Tuesday. That's the best I've got. That works well. It's going to be it gives us another day of trade. So the Cardinals were clearly active watching the Cubs card yesterday afternoon, and uh, I mean the uh, they got to Hendricks early, but the game really was one trade after another with the with the Cardinals uh, getting involved. I, but I want to go back to last week. Um, in your mind, did the Angels do the right thing? They're four games out in the wild card right now. I get that. I mean, he's a once in a lifetime talent. Um, but do you think that they'll look back on this at any time and regret the decision that they made? Uh, it, it's possible. It's entirely possible. But, I mean, the, the first question, do, they think, do you think they did the right thing? Absolutely. I mean, it's you, four games out with a bunch of teams in front of you that might beat up on each other. I know the schedule is not as unbalanced as it used to be, but when you've got the, the Red Sox, Yankees, and Blue Jays, right in front of you, who also have to deal with the Orioles and the Rays and the ALE. Mm-hmm. It's entirely possible there's an opening there for a wild card spot. And if you have any chance in the world, why would you trade the best player in baseball who's basically like two players? Right. Um, and, you know, Trout's hurt, Drury's hurt. They just kind of need to weather the storm a little bit before they get those guys back. They had the chance to add. They added an all-star starting pitcher in Lucas Giolito, who, who from Santa Monica, so maybe coming back close to home, maybe he gets a little rejuvenated there. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great move. And I've been, we've talked about this for weeks. I kept saying, I just don't think he's going to get traded. Right, you did. Because when it when it comes down to it, it's you're the team who traded Shohei Otani. You know, and it's, especially nowadays, where teams are, are worried to give up too much in a prospect package. And, you know, it's the old John Smoltz and Jeff Bagwell examples, those basically never happen anymore. 
Um, I just don't think they were going to get a franchise-altering package back for two months of Otani before he hit free agency. And if they did trade him, word is that he would not have even considered re-signing. Now that he stays, maybe mm. he make a playoff run, maybe he re-signs. All pieces of the puzzle. Definitely. Lots of puzzle pieces that we're putting together here. The Angels, they go out and bring in two guys. Kind of scratching your head on that one. Well, if you're going to keep Otani, let's give it a shot here. Let's run through here. Other teams trying to plug those holes, and certainly there are plenty of holes to be plugged. Another one that had been back and forth was your Cubs. And yet here they are. After that eight-game winning streak, they have said there's going to be no trading of Stroman. There's not going to be straight trading of Bellinger. What are they going to do to augment, though, the roster? What needs to be done? What should be done still knowing that that window is just coming open a crack, a bright future in front of them, not wanting to you know, give away the farm to do something just for 2023. Yeah, it looks like bullpen depth is going to be the main thing, as well as it should be. I mean, there's only so much Edward Elvali can do. Yeah. Uh, and Mark Leiter Jr. was amazing earlier in the year. He's kind of started to fall back a little bit. Merriweather, pretty good. Fulmer still, every time he takes the mound, I kind of shudder. I'm like, man, what's he doing? They're at, but like, you need a few more guys out there. Like, I, I like Javier Assad, but you just need some more arms. You can't put too much pressure on Alzali there. Um, so I think bullpen depth is going to be a big one. I don't know if it'll be a huge splash, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, sometimes you can add guys uh, in the bullpen that end up being a godsend for the last two months of the season because relievers are just so volatile. If they did attack anything offensively, uh, maybe first base. If anybody's out there at all, it's Slim Pickens. I know it was a, it really made a big deal in the market when it was announced. Like it reported that Cody Bellinger wasn't going to be in the move because there just aren't any bats out there. If there were, and a first baseman came up, I'm sure the Cubs would jump at that. Um, as things stand. I, I've seen enough of Trey Mancini. Really? I, I wouldn't be averse to, if they can't pull anything off, giving Matt Mervis another shot and seeing if a little bit more time in Iowa uh, got him a little more ready this time around. Yeah, I, I just think I'm with you, Mancini needs to be designated for assignment mm-hmm. as much as anything. Uh, Texas Rangers, uh, I love the way they're, they're just they're going all in, right? We've seen it. Avaldi goes down. Uh, they bring in pitching help. Jordan Montgomery gets there. This on the heels of Scherzer. We know DeGrom is, is lost. But I think that this team, maybe they've surprised people. Uh, you know, you took a look at this roster prior to the season, and you think to yourself, you know what, they should be better than this. Uh, the Rangers, I'm not saying that they're going to win it, but I'm, uh, but I will say that they're not just going to be an easy out. I agree, I totally agree. I mean, it, it would be better looking, obviously, if Degrom didn't go down. But I mean, maybe then they don't trade for Scherzer, and who knows? Maybe Scherzer will really hit his stride down the stretch. Evaldi right now on the injured list, but they think it's just going to be a minimum stay. Like he just got a little bit tired. I mean, he had a big workload early in the season, and, and he's getting up there in years. So. If they've got Evaldi and Scherzer firing at all cylinders down the stretch, uh, you could you have some talent around them. Like uh, I'm trying to think of a playoff series, whether it would be John Gray or Martin Perez, Haney, Dunning, one of those guys. Those the three and four slot in the rotation. If everybody's pitching well, they they could well win the World Series. The offense is amazing. Uh, even better once Corey Seager gets back off the mm-hmm. injured list. Uh, the season is being put together by guys like Nathaniel Lau and uh, or Lowe, uh, Adolis Garcia. 
with the 84 runs driven in. Like, there's a lot, a lot to like about this team. And I do want to say this. Uh, I absolutely love a, a former player being in the position that Chris Young is for this team. And I think it's one of the reasons that the Rangers are so aggressive in trying to win now instead of being one of these guys who, and it's not necessarily a bad thing because there are plenty of excellent executives who didn't play, but I just feel like if they had one of those Ivy League guys who never played, then they wouldn't be going for it as much this year. It, you know, it'd be like, oh, well, you know, we're worried about of all these workload, DeGrom's hurt, maybe we'll try to gear up and go at another year. Instead, you've got a former player in there and Chris Young who's like, Screw it. We're going. For, we're going all in, no matter what. And I have to think that he had something to do with Bochi being hired as well. It's a more old school guy who we're going to leave him alone. A lot of these Ivy League types want to install a manager who they can control yep. and make all the decisions from the front office. Instead, Young hired Bochi, and they hired Mac, Mike Maddox as a pitching coach, and they said, "Hey, you guys do your thing. We're going to get you as much help as we can." I absolutely love watching it from the outside. Cardinals are trading away pieces, and we'll see how deep into this they go. They got two guys, though, two outfielders. I think they got to move one of them. Tyler O'Neill, who has put together a good start to his career, 28 years old. And then the youngster, Dylan Carlson, who got in some trouble earlier this year. He's 24. You're Bazalock. You're going to trade one. Who would you be trading? Well, it might be both. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're going to make me say trade one, uh, O'Neill, a little older, Probably a little bit more track record there. Uh, some teams might like the upside, and they might think he's more suited to to contribute right away. Carlson, 24 years old, you hold him. I, I can understand that. But like when I look at right now, I, I think I would rather just have the path clear for Burleson, Newbar, and, and Jordan Walker mm-hmm. in the outfield. Yeah, yep. um, but you know, if you hold one of them, you, you know, there's a DH spot. If they trade somebody else, Donovan could play an infield spot instead of DH. Nolan Gorman absolutely should not be traded. I am probably on the Cardinals' most interested to see if anything transpires with Arenado and if we see any reporting at all around Goldschmidt. Because I feel like Goldschmidt would just be, I think it was on this show that I mentioned, Goldschmidt would be like the perfect fit for the Phillies yep. right now. They, those two teams really match up there. But we haven't heard any reporting at all about Goldschmidt. It's just been Aaron Otto and the outfielders. So so we'll see. What did you think of Michaelis's move on Thursday night? Uh, after Contreras, I mean, Ian Happ swings through. His, his, uh, his follow-through gets his former teammate, Contreras, in the head, draws blood, and then Michaelis throws twice, missed him the first time, yeah. got him in the hip the second time. Uh, and yet there were some folks surprised that he was kicked out. I mean, I get why Michaelis was doing it. I kind of applaud him for it. Um, but he, he deserved to be kicked out, didn't he? Uh, yeah, probably. Like, I, it was weird, first of all, because it's not like, you know, I know you don't judge it all the time, but Hap is like totally the opposite of an instigator. He's one of the nicest guys in the game. He's the player rep. Almost everybody's friends with him. And you could see Contreras was his longtime teammate. They hug each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand getting your teammates back. I just think it's weird when your teammate hugs the other guy. And then you go and throw it. Like I feel like even if you thought, hey, I'm going to throw at him, I feel like the hug would kind of wipe that away, right? Like, mm-hmm. eh, all right, I'll just get him out now instead of throwing at him. Since he hugged my teammate, I think we're probably okay here. And then to try the second time, like, I, I, I don't feel like the umpires dealt with it great either. 
if if the ejection was close in your mind, I feel like after the first throw, then you warn them. And you know they skipped that step, right? Right? Like they almost feel like they, oh man, we should have warned them after the three zero. So maybe we'll warn them now. Should have been the decision, and you know, or warn it. It just felt like that without the warning to toss him like that probably was a little much. Um, but then, then like I kind of thought he made a fool of himself when he was walking off the field when. You know, when there's one side that's laughing and you're the one that's mad, you should probably have enough awareness to be like, okay, maybe I look stupid here. because. And it looked like he was calling Marcus Stroman short. Yeah, I was, was wondering like who that his, was. Was it Stroman, do you he think? Was putting his hand, he was putting his hand close down to the ground and yeah. he flashed the camera over to Stroman and Stroman was laughing and he's 5'8". <laughs> so I think he was calling Stroman short. And if that's the case, I was like, what are we in middle school? Really? Call somebody short? Like that's why Stroman was laughing. <laughs> it's way more of a boss move to be laughing than it yeah. is to be all riled up and mad. So I, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was the greatest look in the world after the hug. You know, I, I understand protecting you guys. As I said, I just kind of thought once Contreras and have hugs that he should have taken that as a signal that I don't need to do anything. Matt, don't look now, but one of the most surprising, disappointing teams in baseball, the Padres, have won three in a row. They sweep the Rangers. Yeah. Two games under 500. Maybe it's the beautiful uniforms. I don't know, but I want to buy in on this Padres team, and we don't care. I can can sell you some. Is heavily (laughs) invested. Not the price that you have them at, Ken. I I think I can get a better one. We can. So here we are, a day before the deadline. They have spent a ton, two different directions to go. What is the best path for San Diego? Mm. You know what? You're this far in. Yeah. I, I assume if they miss the playoffs badly, let, let's say they stay where they are, miss the playoffs by five games. They're five out right now, the last wild card. If they miss the playoffs by five games and they have a losing record, I have to believe A.J. Preller will get fired, mm-hmm. right? So if we start from that point and you're A.J. Preller, don't you just say screw it and buy everything you can and say these guys have too much talent to continue to play like they've played all year, maybe – sweeping the first-place Rangers is, is the start of the hot streak that will save me my job. Yeah, I, I think you're this far in. You're past the point of no return. You might as well just go down with the ship. And there's enough, mm-hmm. like I said, there's enough talent here. You could totally see them making up that five games and getting in the wild-card spot. And if they did make the playoffs, they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely dangerous. Yep. Look at the way Blake Snell's pitching right mm-hmm. now. With Snell and Musgrove, Let's say you, Darvish, gets things put together by the end of the year, and you've got Snell, Musgrove, Musgrove, Darvish in the rotation with Josh Hader being back to being untouchable at the back end of the bullpen in an offense that on any given night could hit four or five home runs. That's a formula that could win the championship. So I think you're in deep enough right now. You might as well just go for it. I'm with you. Uh, Might we be on the cusp of neither the Red Sox nor the Yankees making the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you the Yankees. So let's see, they were thirty and nineteen before Judge came back, and they was so they're thirty one and twenty one with Judge. Really bad without him, uh, but he still just feel it just feels like they need more on offense. There's just way too much emphasis on Judge. Anthony Rizzo has been completely lost Awful. for about two months. Yep. Uh, the Donaldson thing did not work out. Lemayhew's probably cooked. John Carlos Stanton's going to hit home runs on occasion, but he's probably pretty cooked. So you're counting on Glaber Torres to blossom a little bit, and we've been waiting on that for, what, four, four or five years at this point. So I, I just don't know if they have enough offense. Now, Carlos Rodon back in the rotation. 
had a good outing last time out. Rodon and Cole, one and two there at the top of that rotation. That's a big deal. Um, and then you go over to the Red Sox side. Yeah, I, they've won some games. They've been pretty good the last six weeks or so, but it's not that impressive of a roster. And I, the Orioles, Rays, and Blue Jays are definitely better mm-hmm. in the West. If you don't think the Rangers are going anywhere, I, I'm pretty sure the Astros aren't going anywhere either. We know the Angels are really trying. We know the Mariners are pretty good. They're hot right now. Yeah, it's you, you could definitely see both the Yankees and Red Sox missing the playoffs for sure. Good to see the Orioles last night. Sunday night baseball, first mm-hmm. time since what eighteen? Is that what uh, it was? It's been a long time. Severino just got clobbered. <laughs> oh my God, those Orioles are fun to watch. How, how about the Yankees? I mean. What, seven in the first? Is that what it was last night or six? Seven. Seven it's, zip, yeah. yeah. Seven in the first for the Orioles, yeah. <laughs> I had a no-run first inning. Bet. Oh, how did that work out? Yeah, <laughs> well, oh, knew man. quickly that one was dead, and that one wasn't happening. Severino is unpitchable. Wash. At this point. Yeah. I mean, you just you can't roll him out there. This roster is absolutely cooked. What do the Yankees do? I mean, we saw is them. Is it the end of Cashman? Well, I think that has to be a part of it. But was it four years ago when they had that little? It wasn't a teardown, but a little bit of selling, and then came back very quickly. It was a, it was a reset in 2016 because that yeah. was the Aroldis Chapman Flavor yep. Torres trade, um, and it, they should have they they were praised as well. They should have been mm-hmm. because they were in the ALCS 2017, 2019. Last year they were great. The roster is just so thin uh, offensively. As I said, I, I don't know. I mean, judge assigned. You can't rebuild. The Yankees just can't rebuild. I, I, I think Cashman seems like he's safe as long as he wants to be with, with this Steiner, Steinbrenner ownership group. But, man, i got to say, uh, they haven't been to the World Series since 2009. Would that have flown when Jeez. in the 80s and 90s? No, 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 no. No, that's a, that's a great <laughs> and I always, I always I, I, I always run down the list. Not only if you would have told old George, you, you haven't even been to the World Series since 2009, but you would have said, oh, by the way, until you go to the World Series again, the Cubs are going to win it all. The Nationals uh. are going to win it all. The Astros are going to win it twice. Uh, the Red Sox are going to win two in there. Mm. He would have flipped his lid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last thing for me, since Trent won't get to him, I keep waiting for him to talk about those twins. I don't want to. <laughs> they're, they're clinging to the lead in the Central. I thought they were going to start to pull away. They still well may, but my God, can't go to Kansas City and let those pathetic Royals uh, do what they did. What do what did the twins do this weekend, if anything? Or yeah, tomorrow, I guess. Right position. Yeah, yeah, they were right in position, weren't they? Yep. Like, they had a four-game lead, two more against the Mariners, and then, then Casey, like, at St. Louis coming up. Uh, you've got to believe that they need to, that they need to add offense. I, I mean, it's we've seen it all year. The pitching has, for the most part, been pretty good, at least in the games that they need to win. Just look at yesterday. Like, Kenta Maeda threw well. The offense just didn't show up. So, uh, but and we've talked about this, too. Like, some of the pieces just should be better. Carlos Correa should be a lot better right mm-hmm. now. Christian Vasquez was a much better hitter last year. And they're not to where you would see their age and say, say oh, they're in their decline. But they're not. Buxton it should be a lot better offensively. So it's they have the pieces there. Maybe they need to try to add a bat. But going to the point I made earlier, I don't know how many bats are out there. Yeah. I mean, once the Cubs pulled Bellinger off the market, it doesn't look like the Padres are going to sell. Uh, we've heard from a few people in front offices who just say it's a wasteland out there in bat. You can find pitching on the block, and we've already seen some pitching move. But you look at like the Angels struck last night strong for C.J. Cronin, Randall Grichik. Mm-hmm. Those aren't really difference makers. 
and that that might be about as good as you can do right now. That's, that's a fair point. Uh, the, just this note, the worst team in the American League, the A's, the worst team in the National League, the Rockies, in Denver over the weekend, 35,000 on Friday night, 45,000 on Saturday night. Were they giving away free weed? I wonder. <laughs> they had to be doing something, right? I mean, um, but my boy, fans in Denver, they're just so starving for a, a contender. It's, who knows when that's yeah. going to happen. Uh, Matt, I, I love this segment. Truly do. Uh, thank you for doing this for us, as always. Appreciate you coming on. CBSSports.com. That's where you need to go. Follow Matt Snyder. Trade deadline tomorrow, 5 o'clock Central Time. Matt, thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Yep. You do the same. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Pee Herman has died. Oh. Gone. 70 years old. Cancer. 70, huh? Yep. yep. Watch Pee Wee growing up. Did you? Oh, absolutely. Was it, my was it a daily routine. show or was a uh, Saturday show? Saturday morning, yep. Get up. It was on, well, CBS up in North Iowa. I'm not mm-hmm. sure where it was syndicated here, but yeah, get up, get a bowl of cereal. Mom, dad be sleeping, and me and Pee Wee hanging out in the morning. He had a run, didn't he? Absolutely. Did his, did, what, did he, what did he get? Uh, in the movie theater? Yeah. Yeah. And then was it was it ever the same after that for no, him or it was no. just a damaged good at that point? Yeah, you can't walk into No, you can't do that. Those theaters aren't around anymore, are they? I don't know, Trent. <laughs> but um but he was a he was a megastar for oh, a while. Absolutely. Pee Wee Herman. The movies were absolutely monstrous in my I age range. About yes. The movies, yes. An absolute star, large Marge, yes. All of that. Large Marge. Tell him Large Marge yes. sent you. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Pee Wee Herman. And uh, when he got busted, I was on family vacation. I remember reading the newspaper article about that and just being completely baffled. What would that been? Probably 91, 92, something like that. Yeah, maybe. Some seems probably in in that that range. And very quickly, that career was over. Yep. Pee Wee Herman, dead, seven years old. Anyways, take a time out, come back. Uh, Scott Dockerman is going to join us. We will get into the Hawks and the Big Ten with Doc. Look forward to doing that. And then Trent's plays of the day. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Fuller Associates Family Dental offers a relaxed family, friendly atmosphere, anxiety and pain management, and the ability to give you the smile that you deserve. As a family-owned and operated small business, Dr. Fuller has been practicing dentistry for over 30 years. Fuller Associates Family Dentistry, located near the Grandview Golf Course, and now their brand new location in Altoona at 509 8th Street Southeast. Fuller Family Dental. Come see what the buzz is all about. Fuller Dental. KXNO. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with $14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere. Two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million, where you make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback. Or join Circa Survivor, where you select one team each week straight up. Last the longest to win it all. $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircaSports.com for details. FDIC. Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Time to talk to Scott Dockerman. Uh, covers the Big Ten, covers the Hawks for the Athletic. He was in Indianapolis last week. He joins us a number of topics uh, to get to uh, with Doc. Uh, Doc Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. I apologize in advance for where I want to start with you. Uh-oh. Uh, 
because you got your ear to the ground, and I'm seeing. I mean, you heard Petiti. We all heard Petiti on Wednesday say, "No, expansion's not on our radar." Uh, and then a couple hours later, the uh, Big Twelve welcomes Colorado back to the fold. Oregon, Washington, obviously, they would love the invitation. Is the ACC going to implode before 2036? Should we pay attention to any of this stuff, Doc, when it comes to the Big Ten? Yeah, but it's not. He's right, you know, across the board that it takes presidents to vote. You know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 to 3, you know, or 10, or 7 to or 10 to 4, where you have to get teams in. And I'm not so sure that they can. Uh, right now, the presidents are not interested in adding two schools. That was the case last year, too, where Kevin Warren was. But the, the schools were not, and they had a, a majority, if not it was close to unanimous, against expansion. And you now if Oregon and Washington agreed to come in at reduced uh, payouts or something like that, I'm sure they would entertain that discussion. But I know even last year the discussion about California and Stanford joining the Big Ten went nowhere because they said, they weren't going to get anything more from from having them there, and they already work with them in the AAU, so they don't need them in the Big Ten. Mm. So, I I think right now, it's it's fun to speculate. I'm not sure unless the ACC implodes. I just don't see the Big Ten really going out of its way to try to uh, pick up any schools in California or on the West Coast. Interesting. Well, Doc, with that. The really good article today at The Athletic talking about USC and UCLA gearing up for next year when they flip and they make the move over and what they're going to do to really combat the travel schedule. I mean, that's the biggest component that people continually talk about. I found it very interesting, the work that's already being done there. I'm sure you've had an opportunity to take a look at that. We look at it here from the local perspective when I was going to go out there, play football at the Coliseum, get to play at the Rose Bowl, and how cool that's going to be. But logistically, USC and UCLA, they understand the challenges, and it looks like they're doing everything possible to combat those challenges head on. That's what they have to do. Um, Nicole did a really nice job with that story. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it, it's going to be difficult. There is just no other way around it. Now, some of the things that I've looked at in my own studying is how, and, and in talking to people at the Big Ten last week, is how, how are they going to schedule them to where it's not a complete detriment? And, and some of the use of, say, week zero or next year, it's a 14 week season instead of a 13 week season. Hallelujah. And, you know, and UCLA plays at Hawaii, so that could give you a zero component without having to change the rules, which may mean like, and I'm only speculating here, but this is what a perfect time in week zero to have UCLA play at Rutgers where they don't have <laughs> classes. Yep. You know, things like that. Yep. Um, that's what they've got to be used to. But, you know, among the things, the scheduling challenges that they're going through now with, with those two schools that they wouldn't with anybody else is, um, you know, maybe it, in a given year, Iowa may play Penn State and Rutgers back to back and go east both times. That's not going to happen with Penn State, with uh, USC and, and UCLA because you know trying to go to the East Coast, you're talking about significant flight in this class time. So they've got to figure out how to do their scheduling, and it's it's going to be a challenge. And as challenging as it is for football, it's <laughs> it, that's dwarfed by the Olympic sports and basketball. It's yeah. going to be really difficult. So they've got to be very creative, and, and I did talk to some people about that last week. Yeah, that is going to be a, 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 t- a tall task. Uh, Doc, I, what's the, what's the, 
Todd, the chatter, the buzz, um, the Ohio State and Michigan, the game being moved uh, from where it, it, it sits in the final week of the regular season. Was there anything to that? I mean, we get it, right? They're going to divisions now, and Michigan and Ohio State conceivably could play back to back weeks and likely will uh, over the years play back to back weeks unless they move it. What's the likelihood, Doc? Um, not great. Um, and I wrote about this today in my TV piece that, um, you know, there, it's not so much, I mean, yeah, it sounds reasonable to say, yeah, we should move that game up to say the first week of November or Halloween weekend or something like that to get it away so they don't have a rematch. But, but when you're Fox and you're getting 17 million people watching it, uh, the most viewership for any regular season college football game year in and year out, uh, you don't want that on a different weekend. And let's let's face it, Fox pulls a lot of the strings. So they gotta go through T V. It you know, and what Kerry Kenny, the chief operating officer of the Big Ten told me was if they want to have that discussion, the athletic directors will have the discussion, but nobody has come to them. It's just been more Ryan Day throwing it out there and Jim Harbaugh kinda him hawing and that's about it. I would anticipate um probably not, but maybe uh but, you know, if they discuss it and there's a reason to do it, then because what, you know, what are you going to replace it with? Are you going to have Ohio State play Rutgers? Are you going to have Michigan mm. play anybody else? Mm-mm. I mean, you might have at some given year Penn State if you're in there. You might have in uh, Wisconsin. Maybe they accidentally played them in the last week of the year. So I think, I think there's, uh, it, it sounds good on paper, but I just don't think it's feasible. Scott Dockerman joining us from The Athletic. Anything more on the TV front, Ken, before we. I'm good. Get into the Hawks. Well, Ken and I talked about this at the top of the show, kind of recapping as I was away. Kirk Ferris loves this offensive line. I, I'm still the camp. I got to see it. After what we've seen the last two years, and certainly last year, it was bad. I mean, it, it, it was 1999 bad. That's how bad the offensive line was a year ago. Are you buying it? it uh, well, it depends on what level, Trent. I mean, I'm buying that it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. I've seen that. I saw that last year at different times. I mean, what was part of the problem towards the end of the year were individually missed blocks as opposed to the chemistry that really plagued it at the beginning of the year. So it might be somebody missing a block and then they get a tackle for a one-yard gain or a one-yard loss versus the first week you got guys going the wrong way. <laughs> that <is a laughs> yeah. Big, yeah. That's a big difference. Uh-huh. So. I look at these at the guys, you know, the mainstays um, as players that I think are going to be pretty good. Now, you know, and I think that if you want to take something from the past, I, you know, ninety nine, I think it's probably a bit extreme, Trent. But I would say two thousand seven might be more fair. Mm-hmm. The average, I think, is three point two yards per carry and gave up forty six sacks. Mm-hmm. With Jake Christensen as the quarterback, and the next year, uh, those numbers changed dramatically they ran for 4.8 yards per carry with sean green and uh, the offensive line looked night and day better i'm not willing to say that yet but what i will say is they're going to be improved and uh, i'll I'll, like you though show me on whether or not they'll be good i I don't i have no reason to believe that yet until i see it with my own eyes Mm. Uh, i want to go back to uh to petiti just for a second doc uh just i I mean that opened the big 10 media days the curtain went up as petiti uh, met the media for for the first time in his new role in mass as he did uh what were what were your takeaways from listening to petiti uh from last week 
I think really how much of a handle he has on it, uh, the, the topics, the, the conference, how much he projects uh, in a positive, um, but also progressive agenda for the Big Ten, but understands that uh, the role that he's playing. I mean, and from talking to people around the sport and him, or and, and around him, they think he is absolutely the. In, in fact, I had one very influential person tell me he's the most qualified candidate for to be a commissioner that they've ever seen, Jeez. and and so I think. He's the right guy at the right moment for the Big Ten. There's no question about that. Um, you know, he, the, the interesting thing about the long-form contracts, I mean, those are still to be finished, but I think everything is is really pretty well set now, which is uh, what he walked into. It wasn't. And so I think he could you could actually praise him for his acumen in that regard. Doc, uh, this football season – Going to be different. We uh, mentioned the TV part, CBS trying to kind of figure it out here on the fly with their SEC commitment and the final year for divisions. As we look towards the future, and it might just be a couple of years, are divisions a thing of the past forever or in a 16-team league? Do divisions make sense more than what we have right now? Is, is there a possibility in the future, 26, 2030, down the line that divisions once again become a thing? No, I don't think so. I think... You know they were they were really a, a factor when you look back because that was the way the rules were written. You, if, you, if you had a, a league of twelve and you had two divisions, that you could get a championship game, and it took thirty years before those rules changed. Um, I don't anticipate that being the case. Now, one thing that might preclude that it might be an additional expansion to where you feel like you need to have some sort of slicing of a, of a conference, uh, whether that's divisionals or pods or something else. I, I, you know, I could see that coming to, to light, but at this point, there's no desire to do it because, you know, the Big Ten had two cracks at it. They had it once based on competitive equity and equality, and it worked to an extent, but you had some things fall by the wayside that people didn't like. And then uh, the second time was geographical, and it worked sort of. Uh, but it did not work from the championship aspect. And that's really, it's all going to be about the playoff. That's number one thing the Big Ten has discussed. So whatever gets them more teams in the in the playoff, they'll look at very strongly. But I don't think divisional play is one of them. Uh, you asked P.J. Fleck a question that I think everybody was waiting for to be asked. And uh, his answer, of course, the report came out, or report came out the day before you guys uh, uh, had your two-day event over in Indianapolis. And there were certainly some uh, uh, some things that jumped off the page. I mean, the, having to stand up and applaud when he walks into a room, and if it's not a loud enough clap, they, he's, he goes back out and he get, has some do it again, which is just ridiculous. Uh, but uh, your thoughts on how he answered your question about the report that came out uh, just prior to Big Ten Media Days? Well, I think he did all right. He did a nice job there. I also had 15 minutes with him one-on-one to kind of go over everything, and I think he was even more descriptive uh, in how he handled that. I, I think it made sense. You know, he felt like his program was attacked, and it has been attacked perpetually by the same disgruntled former players that had year in and year out, they've tried to, to have stories written about it. And, and uh, you know, like the clapping, he and his players told me that they do that because when they walk in the room, they want high energy. It's not for PJ Black. It's for to get high energy in, in everything. Uh, you know, some of the, the elite 
talk and you know pj said well i just feel like that's what people need to feel like you, you know I, i'm i he goes i wasn't a five foot nine 180 pound wide receiver for two years in the nfl because i didn't think i was a lead I, you know i felt like i was and that's the mental part of that and you know i i think we can all look at it as quirky dorky whatever you want to say but it works for them and and i, I think if somebody says hey i'm not feeling elite today well you know as pj said there's several mechanisms to report that but but also you know i don't know i mean at what point what are you just complaining about it you know so you know i think there's some legitimate issues in the big 10 no question in northwestern that way michigan i think iowa a couple years ago was that way Mm -hmm. Uh, minnesota's not one of them i think this was uh sour grapes by some disgruntled players yeah it seemed to be very quickly shot down as nothing more than a than a hit piece against him but yeah i found the clapping thing to be a little bit odd glad that you were able to uh to clear that up uh scott dockerman did great job in indianapolis as you always do appreciate the uh television stuff that you uh give us subscribers at the athletic as well anything you got coming up this week doc or anything you'd like to promote yeah a couple of big things i mean i I, tomorrow i've got i had a one-on-one with uh, beth getz uh, who starts her run as interim ad and potentially full-time ad in a few months Uh, that comes out tomorrow then uh, i had quite a few i had a couple of hours with brian ferentz last week and so there's a story on him coming out thursday and and then we get into camp and and then you know have plenty of other uh, stories. I think uh, what Friday's Iowa State Media Day yep. so, uh, should be at Ames, and so yeah, it's uh, it's gonna it's all packed with full of stuff coming up, and got plenty more coming out through the month of August. Good deal. Will we know anything on the gambling this week or next? As far as the the punishment gets, don't I mean it's got to be coming, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't drag this out too much longer. I think you know you kind of get the whole summer of all right, when's this going to happen? But people kind of blow it off. When you start to get into camps, I think the NCAA, you know, we're talking three months now. Mm-hmm. I think, the, you know, whether the legal part of it is, is up in the air, I don't know. You know, that's up to them. But I think the, you know, that shouldn't be just like in perpetuity. <laughs> you know, you should get some, some something lined up here. And, and whether that's uh, the front part of the month or the back part of the month. Uh, I think they should know their punishments and and go from there. Good stuff, Scott Docterman. We'll look forward to your piece uh, tomorrow and uh, and all the stuff you put out at the Athletic. Doc, talk to you next week. Thank you, Scott. Thanks so much. Have a good yep, one. Yep, you do the same. Scott Docterman is. Uh, we check in on the Hawks and the Big Ten. We'll check in on Trent's plays of the day. Circus Sports Sports sponsor those. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, one hundred six point WHO. Do you remember the last walk off homer to win the World Series? It's been a while, but the answer is nineteen ninety three. Do you know when Wolf Roofing started roofing houses? That's right, 1993. Wolf Roofing has been around for a long time. For your next roofing project, put the experience of Wolf Roofing on your side. Find them on the web at wolfroofing.net or give them a call at 515-225-8866. Or online, Wolf Roofing Casino. Not only does Central Iowa Sports provide a great environment for youth to play baseball and fast pitch, but they promote sportsmanship in the game. Help players, parents, and coaches and their relationships with umpires. Central Iowa Sports also donates throughout the year to local Iowa charities, along with donating the awards to the Iowa Miracle League. Central Iowa Sports, helping boost local economy by hosting local tournaments and creating great part-time seasonal jobs. Find out how you can get involved at Central Iowa Sports.
support subject to terms and conditions. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. Hi, Millery Congdon. Welcome back. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 Kicks and Omer Fernandy coming up. Top of the hour. The Drive, Heather and Sean from 3 until 6. Sean back today uh, with Heather. Trent's plays of the day. Circus Sports sponsor those. We headed out there next week. Yes. Back from vacation and on to another airplane for you. That's right. Doesn't sound too bad. Doesn't, does it? I can't wait. Got a memorial coming up this weekend in Iowa City, so be departing for that. Back then to Vegas. <laughs> Before I know it, high school football season will be here. Full football season will be here. And What's we week one for you? Do you know yet? Don't know yet. That is on the agenda for this week is mapping out the schedule, all the stops that we're going to have, and... Figuring out all the spots across the radio dial this season. So, Friday night comes around, this mm-hmm. this Friday, and then you've got two more off or one more Friday two off? Two more off. Two more before yeah. the season starts. So their camps will be underway here pretty mm-hmm. soon, too. Jeez. Yeah, I believe uh, camp starts for most everybody today. Wow. Top of your head. Well, okay. <laughs> Dowling. <laughs> Valley. Ankeny. Uh, Ankeny. Um, who's going to be, who, who cuts into that trio if there is? Great question. Not Dragons. They made their run last year. Okay. Will Nuss is back at the quarterback position, but they have a lot to replace. One of the Waukee schools? It would be Northwest would be of the two, but they also lost a ton off of last year's team, if memory serves. Well, Southeast Polk. Oh, yeah, SCP, what my thing. And, of course, Moverly at the quarterback position. That's a pretty mm-hmm. good starting point. Yeah. And though they lose Proctor, I believe four of their offensive linemen will be back. Is that right? Yeah. Or at least four guys with starting experience. Huh. They're going to be good up front. SCP number one, Dowling two, figuring it out from there. Okay. Away we go. Yes. Well, three weeks. All right, let's make some plays today. All right, let's do it. Uh, We're just going to dip our toe back in, though I did a little capping, not a ton of it throughout the week. So you didn't bet anything when you were gone? No, maybe four or five games total, something like that. Something really caught my eye in the morning. That was about it. No, it wasn't any heavy-duty handicapping. Was able to bet in Tennessee. It was all legal. Right. Yeah, it is. Yep. Just didn't pull the trigger very often. We're going to dip our toe in with three. We're going to start against your Blue Jays. Against my Blue Jays. I like Bassett a lot. You know, I'm, I'm also a Bassett guy. Gibson is Kyle Gibson, right? He, yeah. He's fine. Plus money with the O's, though. I'm going to mm-hmm. grab it. Plus 117 with Baltimore. This line seems really far off for me. The Guardians with Syndergaard, who was brutal. Is Awful. he already? Is north of seven. Yeah, he's awful. Against France, who's good. Mm-hmm. And it's only minus 170. I don't like laying those prices. No, but, but with this that matchup, like it's pretty, yeah. Uh, I will definitely do terrible, it. terrible, Trent. So instead of 1.1 units, we'll do 1.7 to win one back in that one minus 170 with the Astros. And finally, we go late night tonight. Maybe it's because I want something to watch late night tonight. Give me the Diamondbacks. Plus 130 as they go to the Giants. It'll be Nelson against Cobb in that one. Give me the Snakes with my final pick of the day. All right, those two in a wild card race, mm-hmm. those two teams. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, glad to have you back, TC. Missed you last Happy to week. be here. Uh, Murph and Andy in five. The Drive, Heather and Sean, three to six. Morning Rush gets underway tomorrow with six. Miller and Condon, 11 to one. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.